You should assume the worst. Welcome to the Get Real About Safety podcast. In our podcast, we discuss the new view of safety, what works and what doesn't work, to break down old paradigms and help you improve safety performance in your organization. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Pam, and we appreciate you listening. Please share and subscribe and tell others about this podcast. You can find us on most podcast platforms and also on YouTube. Hi, folks, this is Mike McCarroll, and we're back again with another Get Real About Safety podcast. Today's podcast is really important, and it's titled Assume the Worst. And I think it's a really important podcast to do because it reflects a huge paradigm shift in thinking based on current safety science. You know, one of the biggest problems with traditional safety programs is the belief that we can predict and control all accidents. Here's the reality. You cannot. They don't happen frequently enough to be predictable. If every time somebody did something unsafe and they got injured, they wouldn't do it. However, most of the time, they don't get hurt. In fact, rarely is an accident preceded by bizarre behavior. In most cases, people are doing exactly what they normally do that is normally successful until it's not. In the traditional practice of safety, we tend to perceive that if we just have enough prevention in place that we can control all events. This type of industrial approach to safety does not account for human error. It also does not account for anomalies, outliers, or mechanical failures, which are usually present in serious and catastrophic type events. You can predict that certain situations are error-likely or prone to deviation. For example, if someone is working with sharp tools and not wearing cut-resistant gloves, you can likely predict that sooner or later someone is going to cut their hand. If someone is working in an elevated location and has no fall protection, you can pretty much predict with some degree of certainty that it's just a matter of time until someone falls. You can predict that with poor housekeeping, sooner or later, someone will slip, trip, or fall. However, none of these happen every single time. People often navigate hazards to keep themselves safe, and they do that all day long, every day in the workplace. However, most serious injuries and fatalities or catastrophic events are not that simple, nor are they predictable in most cases because the things that get people hurt are not the same things that get people killed. They are different, and it's never something as simple as just a rule violation. You know, I know we've talked on here before about serious injury and fatality prevention, but for those who have not heard podcast about that or maybe are not familiar with that, we know through many studies today that frequency does not breed severity. So let me just do a little history lesson. Back in 1931, there was a gentleman named Heinrich, and Heinrich wrote a book called Industrial Accident Prevention. And in that book, he had a number of theories. One of the theories that he had was called the 129-300 rule. And that was illustrated in the form of a pyramid or a triangle. What was at the top was a 1, and that represented a fatality or a major injury. 
What was below that was 29, which represented minor injuries, and below that, 300 represented near misses. The theory behind that is that the more of the stuff that you have at the bottom, the more likely you are to have the thing at the top. Over the years, people took liberties with that pyramid, and they started adding unsafe conditions and unsafe acts. And so then you had pyramids out there with 3,000 unsafe conditions and 30,000 unsafe acts. But that was not the original pyramid. The original pyramid was 129 and 300. But regardless of that, all of these pyramids reflected the fact that the frequency of things at the bottom breed the big thing at the top. Well, a number of years ago, a gentleman named Fred Manuel looked for all the original research and the original research papers of Heinrich, and what he found is that it did not exist. And in fact, there's no evidence that Heinrich ever actually did any research. What's surmised is that Heinrich just kind of made it up. I mean, you got to admit, it sounds logical, right? It sounds right. Uh, you got a bunch of little stuff that breeds big things. Well, what happened, though, is that Manuel did do research, and he did empirical research. And what he found is that's not true. What he found is that reducing small injury causation items at the bottom of the triangle reduces small things at the bottom of the triangle. They may or may not affect the big thing at the top. We know today that serious events are typically unique in nature. They usually involve high-risk work activities or a combination of high-risk activities, such as lockout, tagout, confined space work, crane operations, fall protection, and these are typically things that we have cardinal safety rules around. While rules are important, they're the last line of defense. If they fail, there is no defense. Within these activities, there are usually SIF precursors, serious injury or fatality precursors, that may lead to really bad outcomes. These could be error precursors such as fatigue, distraction, interruption, or rushing, or many more. They could be people skipping steps and procedures. Often, procedures are written by very smart people in the office, but they don't match what it takes to actually do the work. So what workers tend to do is chunk the official procedures and come up with their own procedure to get the work done, because ultimately, the workers have to get the work done. The question becomes, do we know that's going on? Do we have the visibility in the field? Do we have the relationship with the workers? Do we have the culture that the workers can let us know that that procedure is a bad procedure? Do we have a deep enough understanding of human factors to know how our operating system may be causing workers to rush or experience fatigue levels that lead to errors or shortcuts? These type of serious or fatal events are usually low probability, high consequence events. And because they're low probability, we tend to think that the bad thing is not likely to happen because you know what? It usually doesn't. Serious and catastrophic events are not simple events that we fail to predict or fail to prevent. These type of events are complex failures that happen on many levels of an organization's operations and simply defy the ability of the organization to predict. You know, sometimes it has to do with drift. Let's talk about drift just a minute. 
We've talked about it in other podcasts, but organizational drift is the slow incremental deviation from practices, policies, rules, procedures, and it happens in every single organization. And none are immune to it. The ones who are most prone to it are the ones who are the most successful, or I should say at least perceive themselves to be the most successful. Unfortunately, that perception of success is usually based on false indicators uh, like the recordable rate or the lost time rate. These are lagging outcome indicators which really tell us very little about the presence of safety, the integrity of safety, or the degree of leadership of safety. What happens in drift? People tend to deviate a little bit from rules and procedures and that becomes the new norm. That's called a normalization of deviation within the culture. It's the new norm. And then we tend to drift a little more. And over time, we tend to drift a little more. And we can drift so far out that we can experience a catastrophic event and we never see it coming. In fact, we're blindsided. It's easy to confuse prevention with predictability. And it tends to bias our thinking and our organizational response to failure. Here's just the fact. We can't prevent everything. You can't predict everything. You also can't engineer out every hazard. We believe we can prevent every failure, but we can't predict every fatality or every catastrophic event. We get so confident in our ability to prevent accidents that we don't see the necessity for recovery efforts. To quote Dr. Todd Conklin, prevention efforts sometimes get in the way of recovery efforts after an event occurs. Organizations can be so good at prevention efforts that they create a false sense of security. So let's talk a little bit about recovery efforts and why they are so important. Oftentimes, prevention efforts fail because of anomalies or outliers. Most serious injuries or fatalities are outliers. They are not normal. They are anomalies, and therefore they are beyond prediction. They are created by the very system that is trying to prevent them from happening. In other words, something weird happens when it normally does not happen. We tend to look for simplistic reasons for events after they happen. Anomalies are not predictable. Anomalies happen in safe work. Mathematicians and insurance actuaries have known this forever. For example, I spent a number of years in the insurance industry, and I can tell you that in high-risk type work activities, for example, people working on high-energy power lines, the, the insurance actuaries build in what they call a shock loss. In other words, they assume that even with the best safety program, the best company, with the best prevention, about every three years, someone is going to be electrocuted. And they bill that into that premium before they ever even put the rest of the cost on there. That's called a shock loss, and that's purely based on mathematics. It's based on the mathematical fact that sometimes prevention efforts are going to fail, even with the best safety in place. So think of most serious injury and fatality events as outlier events. Or another term is a freak accident. I know safety people hate to hear that term, but here's just a fact. Sometimes you have freak things that just simply happen. But in fact, most SIFs are freak accidents. You know, a claim of zero outliers defies the fundamental mathematics of any process. 
And so when we say zero injury and zero accidents, we tend to lose credibility because workers know that sometimes just strange things happen. Now, there are three event categories that lead to very serious accidents. Number one is a complete absence of controls. They're just not there. Number two is insufficient controls. The controls are there, but they're not adequate. And the third one is just the unimaginable. Sometimes things happen, and they are just unimaginable. So let's just talk about a few of those. Pam in my office was telling me about an event that she was involved in once where a, on a construction site, they were pouring concrete, and they were using a, a, a pump, a concrete pump, and uh, pumps through a pipe called a slick line. And they were cleaning that out. They, they, they pushed with air pressure. They push a thing called a pig or some people called a rabbit through there to clean that out. And what happened, there, there was a large chunk in there, and it got caught. And what happened is that the concrete pipe blew, and it exploded and killed someone. Now, here's another one that's it's totally unimaginable. I had a client at one time, his power line company, working in Florida. They had pulled off the road, and they had put their trucks in a sort of a V-type shape for protection. Now, they had all the traffic control in place out on the highway. They had an additional redundancy of defense by having those trucks pulled in just like this, and they were working in between those two trucks. And the gap between the two trucks was pretty much too narrow for a vehicle to even get through. And it's not likely that somebody's going to come and go right through that spot, right? Well, it did. What happened is an elderly gentleman, something like 95 years old, pulled out of a parking lot and was hit by a small car. When that car hit the elderly gentleman, the car spun out of control, went right between those two trucks, and hit and killed all three of those workers. That was absolutely unimaginable. Here's another one. How about the Surfside Towers down in Florida here recently? Who would have ever thought when they went to bed that night that half the building was going to fall apart like that? That was an unimaginable event. I know of another one that happened with one of our clients a number of years ago where three utility workers were in a truck headed to a job site. And this was in North Carolina. And there was road work going on, and they pulled up, and, and there, there was a flagger out there with a stop sign. And so they stopped for the flagger. And as they were sitting there, a tractor trailer comes flying over the hill, crashes into the back of the truck, and kills all three workers. I had another one a while back where a gentleman in a boom lift had gotten in a boom lift to, to inspect a tank. And at the top of that tank, there was a hoist. And so he inspected the tank. And as he's turning to go and he's pulling away from the tank, the hoist line got caught on the back of the boom lift. Now, he didn't know that because he's looking in the forward direction. There was nobody else out there. He's by himself. Uh, this was a job that was sort of short-staffed to start with. And what happened was that as, as he pulled away, he felt the thing give resistance, and he thought that maybe just the wheels were stuck, he kind of gives it more juice, and what happens is it pulls the hoist off the top of the tank and falls, and it hits this gentleman in the head. Recently, I read a 
thing in the news about a power line crew in South Georgia who were working on a pole that had been knocked down by a car. And so they have all the traffic control in place. They have the police out there. And what happens is a dump truck that is being allowed through the, uh, the area by the police officer inadvertently snagged the, the dead power line and it pulls so much tension on that line and caused that pole in the line to snap and flew and it hit two workers and it knocked the police officer out in front of a car where he got run over and killed and the other worker had his legs amputated by the tension on that line. Some of these events can also come from mechanical failures that cannot be determined or predicted by inspections. For example, metal fatigue in a crane boom that can only be detected by Magnaflux testing cannot be seen by the human eye. They inspected the crane boom and it looked good, but then it came apart and it failed and killed some people. That was unpredictable. That was unimaginable. Here's another one. Equipment that doesn't operate as it is expected. We have had several incidents of boom lifts, scissors lifts, and other equipment that when you hit the up lever, it actually went down, or vice versa. And so, and in some cases, pin people between the top rail of the lift and, and the, the work area, the pipe that they were working under. So that brings us to the concept of recovery. Since many serious events evolve outliers, anomalies, errors, and unseen SIF precursors, we have to balance our prevention efforts with recovery efforts. Some of you may or may not be familiar with a tool called the Bowtie Analysis, and I plan to do a podcast on this very specifically in the future. But the Bowtie Analysis is a tool that can be used to balance prevention and recovery efforts. You know, we put, tend to put a lot of eggs in the prevention side of things, but sometimes those prevention efforts fail. And if you can imagine a bow tie and the center of that bow tie being the risk, the left side of the bow tie, you would list out all the preventative efforts. The right side of the bow tie, you would list out the recovery efforts for each of those prevention efforts if those prevention efforts fail. Now, that should be a balanced bow tie. In other words, the right side of the bow tie should be the same size as the left side of the bow tie. Unfortunately, because we put so many eggs in the prevention basket and that we think bad things are not going to happen, the bow tie is out of balance. In other words, what you see with a lot of companies is there's a large left side of the bow tie with a lot of prevention efforts listed, but the right side of the bow tie is almost non-existent. So, if you can kind of use that visually to think of that as a tool, if you list out your prevention efforts, you list out your recovery efforts, for every prevention effort there should be a recovery effort uh, that's in place. Human performance is about making it safe to fail. Because the bottom line, sooner or later, failure will occur. And to think otherwise is simply untrue. Serious injuries and fatalities are usually not a result of a failure to prevent. They are a failure to control the unwanted outcome when failure occurs. Let me repeat that. Serious injuries and fatalities are not usually the result of a failure to prevent. They are a failure to control the unwanted outcome when failure occurs. So here are a few tips that organizations who embrace human performance do. Number one, they understand that how we imagine work is taking place 
is usually not the way work is actually taking place. They plan and execute work as if failure will happen today. Number three, they promote a healthy sense of unease. When people become too comfortable, they stop looking for things. They stop sensing weak signals that something is bad to happen because that's another one that they do is they train workers around weak signals and ask them to notice weak signals. You know, our intuition oftentimes kind of lets us know that something just doesn't feel right. So training people around weak signals is really important. They discuss with workers when bad things happen, not if, and they discuss what to do when bad things happen. In fact, in pre-work briefings, they even talk about when something occurs, not if it occurs, here's what we're going to do. So they build the recovery efforts into the whole job plan itself. They believe prevention is important, but no matter how safe we are, failure will happen sooner or later. So we always need to be looking at that. But they also believe that failures can occur safely by building in the right kind of recovery efforts. Well, that's it for today, folks. I hope you found this one helpful. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to help people kind of change their thinking out there and kind of get in line with this whole new view of human performance. Hope you picked up some valuable tips. Thanks a lot. Great seeing everybody. See you next time. Keep them safe.